it's my privilege, it's my honor to be here this morning. And I know during times of transition, it can be difficult, sometimes even discouraging. But I also want you to think through what an opportunity it can be as well to reevaluate and to, as has been prayed by Liz, look to Jesus Christ, the head of the church, and say with open hands, what do you want us to do here on this corner of Coit and 121, 114, where are we? 121? Sam Rayburn is all I know. Uh, here at the corner of Coit and Sam Rayburn, Lord, what do you want us to do as a church? So it can be a time of discovery. It can be a time of growth. It can be a time of what is next for us? And what is the, it has been prayed. It's your church, Jesus. What do you want us to do here on this corner? Well, thank you for having me fill in today. My wife works at Parkland Hospital. She's a neonatal nurse practitioner. That's the little babies, the small babies, the one pound baby that you can hold in the palm of your hand. So I said, hey, I'm gonna be speaking up in Frisco. She said, when? I said, October 11th and October 18th. So she got out her cell phone and checked and she said, I work on the 11th and I work on the 18th. So uh, unfortunately <laughs> she could not come, but hopefully if we come back again, she can come with us. And we have five wonderful kids. We had one, our first graduated from the University of Oklahoma, and they beat the University of Texas yesterday, if anybody saw that, by one point, I think, something like that, with four overtimes. So you talk about sports casting, imagine doing a, an exciting football game from the Cotton Bowl with four overtimes, unbelievable. Then we had three boys that went to the University of Arkansas. And they're getting better. They almost won last night, a controversial ending. I wish I had time to go into that, but I don't have time to go into that. I would walk you through the backward pass and all that, but we don't have time for that. And then one daughter, our youngest daughter, went to the University of North Texas. And she's fashion design, fashion marketing and all that. And she works at a store called Free People. You ever heard of that? Some of you people have heard of Free People. She's one of the managers there. So, uh, let us look at politics, as has been prayed. Politics, with the election coming up. How many of you, by a show of hands, are tired of all the radio and TV ads? Come on, be honest. All the radio, there are hands going up everywhere. All the radio ads, all the TV ads, all the mudslinging, all the accusations, all the politicians, you know, they say, now I'm perfect, I'm a saint, I'm an angel. My opponent, on the other hand, is an axe murderer. You've heard the whole scene. In fact, there was a real cold front last week in Chicago. I don't know if any of you heard about it. A real cold front in Chicago last week. This is where you're supposed to say, how cold was it? How cold? Okay, thank you. It was so cold in Chicago last week, some politicians were seen with their hands in their own pockets. That's cold, okay? It was really cold. Now, those folks, they've earned that reputation, haven't they? How many of us have heard about the, all these politicians, all these community servants who take on these 60,000 a year positions, and then just a few later, a few years later, they're what? Multimillionaires. How does that happen? Well, I think we know how that happens. But we do get beaten down, don't we? It's almost November 3rd. We get tired of the talk. How many are tired of the signs on the corners of the highway? The sign, I drove by one out here. There were so many signs that were like signs on top of signs, red and blue and faces and positions. Well, the truth is you and I, we live in a great country, don't we? We live by God's grace in a free country. 
And we are blessed to experience freedom and prosperity here in North Texas. However, we are often drawn into this desperation, this deception that says, you know, unless a certain politician wins, then everything's going to fall apart. I'm guilty of that too. You know, I think, wow, unless my favorite politician wins, all of this is just going to fall apart. And unless my candidate wins, I'm going to end up being discouraged and maybe even depressed and a little blue, you know. And we falsely sometimes put our hope in politicians to make our lives better. And we probably know better. You know, we've done this before. We've been on this ride before where we think if that person would just win, then things would work out. And we look back later and we say, you know, it ended up having a pretty small effect on my life. But it is important that we vote. It is important that we run for office. It is important that we get involved. We do need to be great citizens of Texas, great citizens of Frisco, great citizens of the United States. But we're going to ask and answer this question in just the few minutes that we have this morning. Who should we trust with our future hopes and our future dreams and our future desires? Who should we put our hope in? If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. You can take out your Bible. You might have this on your cell phone. You might have this on your Apple watch. Mark chapter 10. We're going to look at verses 35 to 45. Follow along with me as I read Mark 10, 35 to 45. And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, came up to him, saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you shall drink and you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. But to sit on my right and on my left, that is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. We're going to look at the problem that comes up in this passage. Then we're going to answer it with a solution from the lips of our Savior Jesus. And then we're going to apply this for today. So a problem, and then a solution, and then an application. The problem comes when... We put our hope and trust in earthly power and authority. When we get so focused on earthly power and earthly authority that we start to lose our vision of true authority and true power. As I said earlier, let me not discourage you. It is important to vote. Okay, get out and vote. As they say in Chicago, vote early and vote often. 
I lived in Chicago for a while when I went to the Moody Bible Institute. So that's why I have this Chicago theme running this morning. Uh, No, we're supposed to follow the rules of the land. We're told in Romans 13 to be good citizens, to obey the rules of the land. We're, We're to exercise our civic duty. You should go out and vote. Maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're discouraged and you think, you know, what does it matter? Who cares? I'm not even going to vote this year. No, you should be a good citizen and you should vote. It isn't important. Some of you maybe need to run for office. Yeah, you heard me right. You're like, are you kidding me? I wouldn't go near that. You know, I would never do that. Some of you listening to my voice right now may be prompted to run for office. Maybe run for your local school board. Run for your local county offices or a state office. We need good people serving us in our positions of authority. So don't hear me say that all of politics is evil or all of government is wrong. We need good and honest people in government. Now, if you're not good and you're not honest, then don't run for office, okay? And it reminds me of the saying by the famous philosopher Edmund Burke. Edmund Burke said this, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Wow. Let me say that again. All that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Take that to heart. You and I, we need to be good citizens. Benjamin Franklin lived a couple hundred years ago, and he said, when the people find that they can vote themselves money, that will herald the end of the republic. We look around and we go, wait, I can vote myself money. I can vote myself all these benefits. They're promising me this and they're promising me that. I think I'll vote for the person who promises me the most. And 200 years ago, Benjamin Franklin said that will be a big problem. And we're probably close to that right now. Now, it's also very critical that you and I become informed of these various issues. We don't need to just go through life blithely and blindly and say, you know, it doesn't matter what these different issues are. No, you and I should take some time to read up on the issues and read up on what's happening in our society. However, don't fall into that trap of putting your hope and your trust in some certain party or some certain politician. Dr. Tony Evans is a pastor down in South Dallas at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. And he says, when Jesus Christ returns, he's not coming in on a donkey or an elephant. He's coming back on a white horse. Jesus is coming back on a white horse to rule and reign. He's not going to be coming back in on a donkey or or an elephant. So, look at the selfish view of James and John. Look at verse 37 with me. Do you see it there? Chapter 10, verse 37. They said, Jesus, do whatever we ask of you. Now, that's pretty bold, isn't it? Can you imagine... This is your chance to ask Jesus a really important question. And you say to Jesus, you know what, Jesus? Do for me whatever I ask. (laughs) Wow. But Jesus, in his grace, Jesus, in his ability to teach in amazing ways, look what Jesus says. Verse 36, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. Isn't that amazing? And that's a question that Jesus is asking you right now. On Sunday morning, on October 11th, 
Here at Centennial Church, Jesus is whispering to you, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that? What are you thinking about this morning? Maybe some of you would say, Jesus, you know how bad the Cowboys need a victory, Lord. We just want, just help us, Lord. We just need a victory. Maybe some of you would say, you know, Lord, you know I need tuition to pay for college. Lord, you know I need to make my car payment. Lord, you know I want a new house. We could go around the room, and if you were to get real honest, maybe you and I would just go over here and just get real honest with a cup of coffee, and I would say, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Some of you might say, you know, I'm having physical problems, or one of my family members is really ill, and I'm I'm praying that Jesus would touch them in a special way. All of you this morning, each one of us this morning has needs. And we do look to Jesus to meet those needs. I I can't get over this question. I've been studying it all week. Jesus says, yeah, what do you want me to do for you? Such an opening, such a teaching moment. But yet the disciples kind of blow it, don't they? At least James and John. What do they say? Out of all the things they could have said, you know, help us as we're headed with you on the way to the cross. Help us as you go through this punishment that he's just described earlier, this scourging, this whipping, this spitting in the face, this putting the Savior who'd never sinned on the cross. James and John could have said, Lord, help us to stay with you during this time. Help us to not abandon you. Help us to keep the faith. Help us to understand the bigger picture that one day you're going to raise from the dead. But no, they don't. Ask that, do they? What do they say in verse 37? Grant that we, may, that we may sit in your glory, one on your right and one on your left. Oh. Now in this time of culture, it was a place of prominence. There was the head table and the most important person would sit at the head table. And when you came into a room, someone, the lowest person would clean your feet. And you know, Jesus took on that role, didn't he, earlier? He said, I I came into this room and no one washed my feet. And Jesus got down on his hands and knees and cleaned the disciples' feet. That's the picture of the true disciple. All through Mark, he's been showing us different scenes of what does it look like to be an honest, true, authentic follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus shows them all along the way. And these questions that they keep asking help clarify. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ in the best way? And here, we're tackling the pride of prominence. Lord, put me in a position, one on your right, that's sort of a position of vice president, and one on your left, that's like secretary of state. And what should they have said? Lord, help me to serve the way you've been teaching us for the last three years. Three years they walked with Jesus Every day, they saw his miracles. They saw his teaching. They saw his prayer life. And they still blow it. But let us not cluck our tongues too quickly at these two disciples. You know, you and I, we do that too, don't we? I do that. I do that. You know, when you want to be a sportscaster, you you look like, well, what does the lighting look like? And how does the voice sound? And what does my hair look like? And, you know, do I have the right jacket on? And it's... you know, is, is the camera focused in on me? It's pretty easy to slip into the pride of prominence. Somebody says, hey, do you have the right food? Do you have the right water? You know, is the stage good for you? 
And it, you maybe have slid into that as well. Something you're going through, maybe someone said, hey, you know, you could be the mayor of Frisco, or maybe you could be in charge around here, or maybe you... And it's so subtle, isn't it? The pride of prominence. We think, yeah, I want to be in charge. I want to tell other people what to do. You know, I'm tired of people always telling me what to do. I heard of a teenager the other day. He was a 17-year-old boy. And he said, I'm so sick of this living at my house. Someone's always telling me what to do. People telling me where to go. He goes, you know what he said? He said, I'm so sick of this. I'm getting out of here. I'm, gonna, I'm so tired of everybody telling me what to do. I'm leaving. He said, I'm going to join the Marines. <laughs> And we slip into that, don't we? I slip into that. Here I am at this stage where I'm elevated and I've got the camera on me and I've got this cool little microphone and they gave me, you know, a bottle of water and it doesn't take long before I think, you know, I'm, I'm pretty important. I mean, what I say matters. And Jesus says, don't do that. Don't, don't think that way. He calls it, Wrong thinking that is self-seeking. He says, you know, first of all, <laughs> he kind of corrects them. First of all, that, is, that isn't even mine to give. I can't even give you that. And he said, second of all, do you know what I'm getting ready to go through? Do you know that I'm getting ready to drink this cup, this bitter cup, where I'm going to take my perfect life and I'm going to lay it on the cross for all of the sins of the whole world. Can you, he says, can you do that? You know, this bitter cup that I'm getting ready to drink, can you drink that? And then even worse, what do they say? Look at it. Do you see what they say? Oh yeah, we are able. Ugh, some of the ugliest words in all of scripture. Yeah, we're able. We're able to do that. What must Jesus have thought of two of his key disciples? Three years we've been going through this. And they flunk this critical exam right here. Yeah, we're able to do that. And Jesus says, you don't even know what you're asking. The cup that I drink, he says, as a matter of fact, you are going to drink this cup. And you are going to be baptized with this baptism with which I am baptized. But leaving all that aside, he said, sitting on my right hand and sitting on my left hand, this is for someone else who the Father has prepared it for. Don't seek some position of prominence that you don't sense has been opened up for you. It's a good lesson for us all, isn't it? I think of my wife this morning down at Parkland Hospital. Man, she's in a tough environment. Some of you others I know are nurse practitioners. Working in the hospitals, working in the environment of COVID. We got our masks on. We're washing our hands 20 times a day. We're behind plexiglass, all of us. And yet these folks are serving. And they're not seeking oftentimes a place of prominence. They're there to help. Someone has a one-pound baby. Uh, they've had some cases now where the mother is positive for COVID and the baby isn't. And they'll deliver the baby and then rush the baby away to another part of the hospital. They can't even put the baby on the mother's chest. Another argument for the pro-life position. You know, it's two different people. The, the mother has COVID and the baby doesn't even have COVID. Two different people. But I think of my wife down there serving this morning. And that's the picture that Jesus wants to show us. The picture of washing the disciples' feet. Not seeking a place of prominence, 
but seeking a way to serve others. I know here at this church you're about that. Don't slip into this wrong thinking that is self-seeking. Don't slip into the pride of prominence. I heard about a group of young boys that were building a treehouse. Do you remember those days? Any boys here built treehouses? It's so much fun. And I see out here as I drive along still so much of the old, old Frisco. There's some cattle out here and some old fields and some old trees. It won't be long till all of Frisco will be pavement, but not yet, okay? There's still some areas of grass and trees and ranches. And these boys built a really cool treehouse. And you know what they do? As soon as boys build treehouses, what? They put up the rules. They put the rules up on the inside of the treehouse. And what's rule number one? Of course, no girls allowed. We know that. And then one of the boys said, you know, we don't need to think too big of ourselves. And they all thought for a while, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's put that up. So they put up their, you know, do not think too big of yourself. (laughs) But then they started thinking, you know, and they were all like, well, I mean, we need to balance this out. And some guy, sharp, one of the sharp boys said, well, you know, we don't need to think too little of ourselves either, which is true, right, Liz? And so they put up their num- rule number three, you know, don't think too little of yourself. And then finally, the sharpest one of all, you know, he read both of those rules and he finally came out and he said, let's just all think medium. <laughs> I love that, don't you? Let's just think medium. Because some of you now you're saying, oh, I'm never going to seek a place of prominence again the rest of my life. Wow, that it, you convinced me, goodness. But you might get called into that. Someone might say, hey, we need you to be the temporary vice president. We need you to be the interim director. We need you to be the head. And you're like, no, no. I went to church last Sunday, man. I heard this talk. There is no way. But if you pray about it, if you talk to people that know you well, if you sense, you know, they're asking me to be the head cheerleader. They're asking me to be the captain of the football team. Then step into that. Walk into that. And let God lead you into that. But... Let us be cautious about acting here like James and John, where we seek out always some place of prominence. The boys in the treehouse had it right. Let's all think medium of ourselves. You have some strengths. You're gifted in many ways. But you and I, we have a lot of weaknesses too, don't we? You have things that you're really good at. You have things that you're gifted at. But then you have some areas that are blind spots. And you have some areas that are real weaknesses. We all have those. So let us think about ourselves accurately. Well, we talked about the problem. The problem is seeking some position of eminence where we haven't really been called into it. Seeking and longing for some position of prominence when God hasn't set that up for us in that time frame. That's the problem. So what's the solution to that? The solution is placing our full faith and trust in Jesus Christ as our only hope and authority. Have you done that? Have you placed all of your faith, all of your trust, all of your hope in Jesus Christ, the person with all the authority? Look at verses 41, what happens here in this story. And hearing this, the ten began to feel indignant with James and John. Now, why do you think James and John received all this wrath from the other ten? It doesn't tell us exactly, but, you know, the first thought is, they became indignant with James and John. Yeah, they said, that's right. You shouldn't do that, you know? We, we feel bad for you asking this wrong question. That's one option. But most Bible scholars believe what? They wish they would have been able to ask. Oh, 
James and John got there first. They became indignant. They were discussing positions of future authority. How did they sneak in there and get to ask first? Most people feel like the other 10 disciples were like, no, no, I wanted to be on the right. And one of them maybe said, well, I wanted to be the one that was going to be on the left. And here Jesus is going to his glory. And what are they thinking this is going to be? Some earthly kingdom that Jesus was going to set up. We're finally going to overthrow these nasty Romans. And one of us is probably going to be the treasurer. And one of us is going to be in charge of the castle. And one of us is going to be in charge of the kingdom. And I'm not going to miss out. You know, whenever they do this, I always miss out. Not this time. Before Jesus goes and does what he's going to do, I'm going to put my bid in for what I want to be. And they had totally missed that Jesus did not come to this earth to rule and reign as an earthly kingdom. He will one day return to set up heaven on earth. But this wasn't the time yet. Jesus was going away back to the Father after he had suffered and died for the sins of the whole world. So in this world system, the kingdom and the kingdoms of this world These powerful people, they wield authority. Look at it in verse 42. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, that means rulers of the nations, there were only two groups of people at this time, all Jews and all Gentiles. So he says, You know that those who are recognized as rulers here on earth, they lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. How many of you know what that's like? How many of you have had a boss that maybe talked down to you or you had a boss that sort of told you where to go and you thought, man, someday I'm going to get the corner office. You know, someday I'm going to get the company car. That's how the earth works. That's how the world works. That's how our, our worldly systems work. The ones that are in authority, they lord it over them. Hey, I'll tell you when you can take some vacation days. You know, I'll, don't forget, you need to check in me with your job performance report. But Jesus says what? The way I run, it's not going to be that way. See, in Jesus' system of authority, he doesn't lord it over people. He serves. In the world, it's an authority from the top down. In Jesus' kingdom view, it's an authority from the bottom up. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? How can I serve you? (laughs) I still can't get over it. Jesus, at the end of Matthew, says, all authority has been given unto me. That's all authority in heaven and all authority on earth. Now, if you have all the authority in heaven and you have all the authority on earth, how much authority do you have? And what does he do? He lays down his life. He has all the authority in the world and he lays down his life. And he picks up a towel and puts it over his arm. And he washes the disciples' feet. That's the kind of position we should seek. As faithful members here at Centennial Church, I know you and I are asking, what can we do next? How can I serve? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to help clean the building? Do you want me to be on the transition committee? Do you want me to help in the AV? Do you want me to help with the music? Wow, that's the attitude that Jesus wants us to take. Some of the disciples of Jesus missed this. And they had been with Jesus for three years. Three years they had walked with Jesus. And you laugh and you go, man, how did they flunk that? Man, they were a freshman with Jesus. They were a sophomore with Jesus. This was their like junior year and they still flunked. But how long have you and I been Christians? 
How long have you and I been tracking with the Savior? And we slip into these same attitudes sometimes, don't we? We slip into these same mindsets. Well, we saw what the problem was. The problem is seeking some position of prominence. We see what the solution is, placing our full faith in Jesus Christ as our only hope and authority. So what about you? Have you become enamored lately with the power and authority of this world? Man, if I could just become county commissioner, if I could just become city manager, or, you know, if if my candidate could just become, and we think, then I would have power, then I would have real authority, then we could be in a place of real prominence. And this passage reminds us, don't slip into that type of thinking. Trust Jesus Christ fully with all your hope and all your dreams and all your ambitions. Well, let me apply this for today. Keep the proper perspective during this election season. It's going to get worse. We have, what, 21 days left, 23 days, something like that. Can you make it? (laughs) You think you can make it till November 3rd? You might practice what someone recently called digital detox. Just turn it off. Yeah, you heard me. Just turn it off for a, a week or so. Just turn off the TV, turn off the cable TV. I had someone recently say, it was so peaceful. You know, I just realized I'd gotten so caught up in it. I just realized I didn't really need that so much. And you know what? Let me give you a little reassurance. I guarantee you, if you turn it off just for a week and you come back, it'll still be there. They'll still be screaming at each other. They'll still be breaking news. Have you heard that? I used to think, well, this is a, what was that? We were turning. Then I found out they're programming that every 14 minutes on television. That's what the experts say. Every 14 minutes, they say breaking news or news alert. Every 14 minutes, you know, we're like rats on a little hamster treadmill. We're like, hey, kids, be quiet. There's breaking news. Hold on. And you realize, you know what? I had a friend that turned it off for a whole week, just turned it all off, the talk radio, the cable news, and they said it was so peaceful. And I, and I kind of got my head straight. And I kind of just went out by the lake and just chilled. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, we are so busy in this culture, aren't we? I had a mom the other day said she has to text upstairs to her kids and she texts, dinner's ready. <laughs> I saw a guy the other day in the 7-Eleven and he was putting his food in the microwave and I looked back and he was screaming at the microwave, hurry up! Hello, it's already a microwave. You know, I mean, what has happened to our culture? Guy was screaming at a microwave, hurry up. Dude, it's cooking your food in like, 30 seconds. You can make it. But we get caught up into that, don't we, when we buy into the world system. Oh, you have got to stay in touch with every single thing that happens, and you've got to watch all the breaking news, and you've got to watch all the news alerts, and you've got to... And before long, we get distracted from seeing Jesus Christ seated on his throne, ruling, not fully yet, because one day he'll rule fully, but Raising up kings and bringing down kings. That's what the scripture tells us. God is the one who raises up kings and brings down kings. Out of all the possible plans in the world, God is currently working out the best possible plan for the world. And then one day, fully in Jesus' presence, you and I will see Jesus face to face. No more sin. No more 
tears, no more illnesses, no more taxes. And we'll see Jesus Christ face to face and it'll all be worth it. I mean, what are you doing now that's gonna make a big difference 200 years from now? What are you and I involved in right now that's gonna make a huge difference 200 years from now? Only two things are gonna last forever, God's word and people. That's it. Don't be like James and John. Don't get caught up in positions of prominence. Lord, let me sit on your right hand and Lord, let me sit on your left hand. Another thing we can do is pray for good and honest leaders. Let's do that. Let's pray, God, help us elect good and honest leaders that are here to serve. And exercise your right to vote. I want you to hear me say it again. Go vote. Take the time to get informed on the issues and go vote. This is not an either or. Either you're a good Christian or you're involved in politics. No, you can be both. But we need to keep that proper balance as we're involved. And don't let your vision of Christ ruling and reigning become fuzzy with all of the countless and continual political advertisements. It's like a blizzard coming at us. We can't even get through it. And it starts to shape our vision of Jesus Christ. And it starts to shape our vision of an eternal future. Don't let that happen to you. You'll remember that Jesus Christ says, he's the king of kings. Think about that. We're going to have a couple more worship songs where we can embrace that. He's the king of kings. He rose from the dead. There is nobody that has more authority or political power than Jesus Christ. Why? Because he laid down his life for you and for me. Do you believe it this morning? Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for each person here today at Centennial Church. I pray for each person watching online. Lord, don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us get fuzzy vision where we start to see, if only that political person would win. If only this election goes my way. Lord, help us to realize that you are ruling and reigning in perfection. And that one day you will return not on a donkey, not on an elephant, but you will, win, you will return on a triumphant white horse and you will usher in your kingdom of God forever, forever and ever, amen. And I pray for anybody here this morning who's slipped into this pride of prominence, this desire to wanna to be something that we're not. Lord, help us to get away from that, help us to reject that and help us to be a servant like you want us to be, a servant leader where we put a towel over our arm, where we lay down our life for others and help us to be an example to a watching world. And we ask this in the name of the risen Christ, Jesus the Christ. And everyone said,